Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. I want to talk to you today about the peace of God. It's amazing. I promise you I did not speak to Pastor Wangoi about what the message is. If she knew what it was, she didn't get it from me. I simply asked her to pray, and I heard her praying, speaking peace. There's one spirit. God knows what he's doing. And there are, the th- one of the things that vexes the very heart of God is when his children, who are children, sons and daughters of a great king, whose government has no end, lack peace, whose lives have instability, and who worry about things that they need not worry about. Even in the last song, Jaira, it says, don't worry. Worry is a natural disturbance of peace. The peace of God affords us the privilege that even in turmoil, even when the storms of life come, in this world we have tribulation, but because of the peace of God, we don't have to be shaken. The peace of God causes us not to be soon shaken. So I want to declare to you today to declare over every life in this room the promises of God. And I promise you, if you grab hold of these promises of God, there's no devil in hell that will be able to shake you. But there are some things I want to talk about. First of all, I want to remind you, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. But in the world, there is a prince of the power of darkness. The only power that's ascribed to the enemy of our soul is darkness. He's called in scripture the prince of the power of darkness. And darkness, in darkness, there's deception. From the beginning, In the garden, the serpent was a whisperer. Has God said? God knows that if you eat this, this fruit, you're going to be like God. What is he trying to do? He's trying to extend the boundaries. God says boundaries. He's whispering to get you to walk over them. And you know what he does? We're going to expose him today. He will cause you to justify yourself in doing it. Because if I feel justified, I feel right. And then it's hard for you to be convinced that you need to change. Are you with me? But that's what the enemy of our soul does. And he's constantly doing that. He's whispering. He's whispering. When God 
gave his word to Adam. He gave him responsibility. Before Eve came out of his ribs, he gave him a word. And when the word was violated, he said, Adam, where are you? What does that mean? For every one of us who've received the word of God, there's a responsibility to do it. Because if I don't do it, Bob, where are you? And the natural inclination that I and all of us inherited from Adam is to make excuses. It's that woman you gave me. No, no, I gave you the word. I gave you the word in, a, in your life. That should be your number one priority. That should be your priority. And then as God probed, he said, well, Lord, I was hiding because I was afraid. The God that he communicated with in the cool of the day, every day, without interruption, he's now afraid of God. The devil wants to put us in a place where fear takes us. That's the first time Adam ever felt fear because he was hiding from God. Beloved, fear not. Fear not. Say it with me. Fear not. One of the things that is the root of fear is when we're hiding. And see, darkness tries to hide. But if you're the light of the world, whatever makes manifest is light. See, we don't hide when our light is shining, but the whisperer comes to dim our light, to make it dim so that we walk in darkness and not in light, but we're going to expose him today. And when Adam said, I was hiding because I was afraid, because I'm naked. You ready for the question? God said, who told you you were naked? That's one of the most profound questions in scripture. Who told you? The whisper is telling you things that are not true. And you grab on to them as though they're, who told you? Who told you? There are some things that enter my mind and your mind that you need to have a checkpoint so that you know who told you. When Jesus was led in the wilderness by, to be tempted by the devil, the re, the, every response that Jesus had in his weapon was the word of God. Even when the devil tried to quote Psalm 91, Jesus put it in the proper context. That way, because Jesus knew that his father didn't tell him that. The prince of the power of darkness is the father of lies. That means he's the source of lies. Lies came out of him in the earth first. We're going we're we're to take back dominion. I'm not just talking about buildings when we're talking about dominion. We're talking about dominion over our lives because the whisperer is constantly reminding us of traumatic experiences and reminding us of who we were to make us feel unworthy. And when I feel unworthy, I hide. And the only reason I hide is because I fear. That's what he wants to stoke in us. But the peace of God 
it passes all understanding. It's above what I think. It's above what somebody else told me. It makes the word of God real. And it's real when I apply it and when I do it. Okay, that's just a setup. Let's start. Psalm 61, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. And there will be a time of ministry so that this is not just intellectual. There's going to be an impartation of the peace of God. And for everybody who wants it, there'll be a time for us together around the altar. And scripture will tell us how to do it. When we're instructed by the word of God and we do as the word says, we will always have success. You know, one of the things is that the whisper, the whisperer is communicating to the world and he's even trying to convince many of us in the church is that the word of God just doesn't work. It's not enough. You need more than that. You don't have, you don't, it's not enough, but that's the whisperer. We know it works, but you have to experience it to know that it works. You have to be, you have to know what it says to even know how to work it. But what the enemy wants to do is to keep you from that and have you dependent on other things. He is the great distractor. He is the great delusional. He's delusional, but he wants to make us delusional. He's delusional because how can you fight against God and win? It's impossible. That tells you he's got a problem, but he doesn't want to go down by himself. But I got good news. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. One thing is consistent. If we're in him, we always win. It's guaranteed. Psalm 61 verse 1 says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. Attend, the root word, to attendance. What does it mean to attend? It means to show up. God, when I pray, I need you to show up. Is there anybody who knows that when you call on him, he'll show up? He will show up. Verse 2. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. No matter where I am, you're in reach. I could be at the end of the earth. I'll cry to you because I know you're there. Before I get there, you're already there. There's nowhere that I can go that you're out of reach. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David was a man after God's own heart. And in this 61st Psalm, which is a Psalm of David, he is communicating the assurance the eternal assurance that we have in God. And there are times, as you can plainly see in this text, 
when all of our hearts are overwhelmed. And when that happens, Lord, lead me to the rock. Does anybody know who the rock is? Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Lord, this is too much for me. I can't handle this by myself. But if you just lead me to the rock, I go to the rock. It's higher than me. And what is it that David has sensed about going to the rock? If you've never been to the rock, you don't know about the rock. You might have heard about the rock, but if you go to the rock and you, you recognize that, you know what? Whenever I call, he attends to my prayer. He shows up. And he doesn't just show up. He takes care of me. And even if he doesn't come when I want him, he's always on time. He's never been late. He can wait two days to go to a tomb of a dead man and still call him forth and raise up dead things. He's never late. Go to verse 3. For you have been, see that's past tense, See, David knows that when my heart is overwhelmed, I got somewhere to go because you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. Is that singular or plural? Singular, from the enemy, not enemies. There's a point. So David is talking about a common enemy that he had 3,000 years ago, we have the same enemy. He's still whispering, has God said? Come on, he, don't, he contradicts God's word. Who told you that you're not good enough? Who told you that you're not worthy? Who told you? The one thing that God wants to make clear to you and me is that there's nothing we attain in God because of our righteousness. We attain it because of right standing. See, it's our right standing that allows us to abide in the one who is righteous, who makes us righteous. Are you with me? Is there anybody in the room who's in right standing? See, right standing doesn't allow you or me to trust in our own righteousness, which makes us haughty, and God resists the proud. Who told you that you're not worthy? Let, let, let me stick to the text. You have been a shelter for me. A strong tower from the enemy. We'll go a little further with that in a minute. Go to verse 4, the last verse in this psalm. I will. I will abide in your tabernacle. Tabernacle, from the Hebrew perspective in ancient times, was in his presence. What David is saying that applies to us, I'll abide in your presence. How long? I'll abide in your presence forever. 
I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Let's go a little deeper on this strong tower. In ancient times, a strong tower was a place that people could run into and get shelter and safety. Safety from their enemies. David in this prayer is saying, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You are my dwelling place. You are my shelter. You are my protector. You are my God. It means that God is not just a strong tower, but also a watchtower. Your watchtower, my watchtower. God is your watchtower that guards your heart and your mind. The peace of God cannot abide if your heart and mind are unstable. You know, there's a, there's a heart-mind connection. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Thinks in his heart. We think of thinking in our mind, but it begins in the heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I know what's in your heart by just listening to you. Just like I know if you're abiding in him by the fruit that you produce. By your fruit. You don't know me by what I say. You can know what's in my heart, but if you observe, you can see the fruit that is produced. A good tree cannot produce what? And a corrupt tree cannot. Therefore, by your fruit, you shall know them. I declare unto you by the Spirit of God that you are fruitful vines. Fruit that remains. You are fruitful vines. And if, if you hear in your mind that you're not, I have a question. Who told you? Who told you? I hope we'll check one another with that simple question. Who told you? Somebody comes to you complaining and griping or with an accusation? Who told you? Where do accusations come from? He's the accuser. So that's one. Let's give each other permission <laughs> to ask a question. Who told you? Because it'll stop you, cause you to stop and pause. Who told you? Let me see if you know how to ask that question. Let me hear you say it. Who told you? Don't say it with an attitude. <laughs> Just say, who told you? Don't, who told you? <laughs> who told you? <laughs> I see it. I see you. All right, let's move on. Let's go to... Philippians, the strong tower, I want you to remember that. A strong tower was a place in ancient times where people went for shelter and protection. And in the Hebrew vernacular, it's understood that God is our strong tower. He's our watchtower. He helps to guard our hearts and minds. This is very important if you're going to take hold of the peace of God, because 
Every one of us has something that rules in our heart. Every one of us, you can't serve two masters. You're gonna love one and hate the other. It's impossible to serve two masters. Next verse, Philippians or verses, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And we're gonna spend some time. Tim, where you at? Tim, oh, I'm sorry, with his family. You're going to know when I need you, Tim. I don't even have to say it. Just get, it, get in your, at your post. It says, listen to this. And I don't want this to be just an intellectual exercise. God put this in our spirit. May we lay hold of the mystery. May we lay hold of the faith that releases your promises in ways that impact our lives. God, let it be so. Don't let this be just an opportunity for a sermon. This is not a sermon. God, you come and minister to us. Cause that to be so. If I were you, I would begin to pray in your spirit right now so that God can do something. So that God can do something. Be anxious for nothing. Do you know right now there is a silent pandemic of anxiety? Of anxiety. And it's not just in the children of darkness, the children of light have anxiety. Anxiety. And it creates the kind of fear, I've seen it up close, it makes you think you're going to die. You're convinced you have a heart attack. You are convinced. You are convinced. I've been to the emergency room, and there's nothing wrong. It's like, how can there be nothing wrong? I'm watching the manifestation of something that isn't good. But that's why it says, be careful for nothing. The Bible is clear. Fear torments. And what the enemy does is he does something in our minds that causes us physically to manifest the work of that thing. And one of those things are anxiety. Now, I'm not, there are many causes of anxiety. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm giving you the word of God. I'm telling you what God says, let everyone be a liar and let God's word be true. He says, be anxious for nothing, for nothing. And this is where the peace of God comes in. But in everything, everything, in sickness and in health, when you're up, when you're down, when you're employed, when you're unemployed, when you have a place to go, when you have no place to go, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, a grateful heart will always give you peace. There's no way that you can really be thankful and be in a place where your peace is disrupted. 
The seeds of peace are in thankfulness. That's why the scripture tells us with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. To God. Do you hear that instruction? What am I to be anxious for? In what situation am I permitted by the word of God to be anxious? None. Who am I to make my request to? To God. If time permits, I'm going to share an experience. If it doesn't, I'll share it another time. That really personally impacted me. Because I saw up close and personal someone who understands what it means to be a part of the kingdom. When the world should have been falling apart, unbothered, unmoved, not asking for help in any way, it's clear that they made their request known unto God. It's the kind of thing that would stress the average person out. But I want to tell you something. You ready for this? You're not average. If you're in God, you're not average. I'm talking about the God who created everything. The God who's in control of everything is saying that you are to be anxious for nothing. We're going to build this up a little bit more. Go to the next verse. And that's a conjunction. And if you do those things, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it might not make sense. People will look at you and say, you ought to be falling apart. But the peace of God is guarding my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. The peace of God is the most stable place that any of us can be. Anything outside of that. That's why David said, I'll abide in your tabernacle. I'll abide in your presence because it's dangerous outside of there. It's dark outside of there. I want to be in the lighthouse. I want to be in your presence where there's fullness of joy. Now, this scripture is not saying that life doesn't happen. It's saying in spite of that, in everything, not for everything. There are some things you will not be thankful for, but you can be thankful in it because the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss. It's often missed. It's often missed. Go back to verse 6. You see the word supplication? If you have your Bible app, highlight it. If you have a Bible, underline it. If you're taking notes, write it in big, bold letters. Although the word supplication is a noun, supplication comes from the Latin verb which means supplicare, supplicare, which means to plead humbly. Supplication requires us to bow down and kneel 
in prayer, that's supplication. You don't stand up and make supplication. You bow down and kneel in prayer before a holy God who we approach humbly. I have this here not as a prop. I'm going to bow down in a minute. And anyone who wants to approach God, the altar is open. But let me just say this. Jesus gives an example that is instructive in Luke 18. Luke starts out by informing us that Jesus spoke to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And he spoke this parable. He said, two men went into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. And the Pharisee said, I thank God that I'm not like this sinner. I'm not like other men, extortioners, adulterers. I pay tithes out of everything that I have. And I fast twice a week. Very religious. Goes through all the rituals. And he's going to God, telling God how good he is. Is that not the dumbest thing you've ever heard? Like seriously, that means you don't know who God is. You haven't had a real revelation of God. There's a prophet who's known as the eagle-eyed prophet for five chapters, and just bear with me, five chapters, he was a prophet who had good success. But in chapter six of the book of Isaiah, he encountered God and he realized something. He said, woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people who have unclean lips. I don't just dwell among them, I'm like them. I'm just like them. And the angel said, don't worry. He took from the altar a, a tongue of fire and he took the coal and he touched his lips. He says, your sins are taken away. God touched my lips. Touch my lips. And so sometimes we need to be so in the presence of God that God touches us in places that we would not recognize unless we were illuminated by his glory. So this Pharisee goes and tell God, tells God how good he is. He doesn't talk about how good God is. He tells God how good he is. But the tax collector who the people called chief sinners. They had a name for them, publicans, but they were tax collectors and they saw them as traitors. You're taking my money and giving it to Rome and you're supposed to be a, a, a citizen of Israel. But he, he didn't look up to God. He wouldn't even look up. Jesus said he beat his chest and had his head down and said, I'm not worthy, God, to approach you. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to approach you. Now, he's saying he's not worthy, but he was in the house of God. That tells you something about his heart. Here's what Jesus said. This man went down to his house justified 
more than the other. What's the lesson in that? Justification doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It comes from him. It's just as if I've never sinned. It is how we are made perfect in him. Are you with me? It's because of what he has done and what the enemy tries to do. For some of us, when the word is snatched away, he'll try to deceive us in ways that are not so subtle. Are you ready? Are you hearing this? For others who are consistent in showing up Sunday after Sunday, he does it in a way that's a little more subtle. He wants you to think that you are righteous because you are righteous. And what that does, and, and Luke tells us in the beginning, it causes you to despise others. To despise others. But when I know that it's I serve at the pleasure of the king, when I pray, I pray for people differently. I pray for myself last. When I know that I serve for the, to the pleasure of the king and I know who I am in him, I don't worry about a title. I don't worry about a position. Are you ready to hear what I'm about to say? Are you sure? Okay, somebody said, bring it. I like that. See, I understand that language. Bring it. God wants us to know who we are in him. He wants us to know who we are in him. And one of the things he communicated to me expressly, it's not my people perish for the lack of knowledge. I know that's in the word, but he didn't say that in particular. He said, my people lose ground because they don't know that they have dominion. They don't know who they are. And even in their mind, they confess whose they are. They don't know who they are. And he told me to tell you this. When John the Baptist was in prison and was about to lose his head because he told the truth, by the way, because he told the truth. He said, it's not lawful for you to marry your brother's wife. He called it out and the wife of, of the king got upset that his, her daughter danced for him. See, that's what the enemy does. And then when he got drunk, he said, I'll give you whatever you want to the half of my kingdom. I want his head. The enemy works like that. But anyway, John is now anxious. He sends his disciples to Jesus. Are you the Christ? Or should we look for another? Have you ever had a time when your heart is so overwhelmed, it feels like God isn't there? He's far away that he's forsaken you. Even Jesus asked, why have you forsaken me? There are some tough times that we go in through in life, but God said to remind my people, I'm 
closer to you than your breath. Because I am your breath. I am your breath. It's in me that you live and move and have your being. But he, Jesus says, go tell John what you see. First he asked him, what did you come to see? A reed shaking in the, wheat, in the wind? When we come to church, what do we come to see? He said, a reed shaking in the wind? Go tell him that the dead are raised, the blind's eyes are open, and the gospel is preached to the poor. And then he turned to his disciples and he said these words, Pastor O. He said, a man, because you know what they were thinking. Jesus knows our hearts. And like this John the Baptist, I thought he was all that. Now he's scared. <laughs> now he's worried. Now he's slipping. Now he's losing his faith, Shevis. He's losing his faith. He's panicking. Jesus will always have our back. He will never leave us flounder. He turned to them. He said, a man of anyone who's born of a woman, there's never been a prophet who's greater than John the Baptist. So he let them know John is the greatest prophet who ever lived. You like Moses? John is greater. You like Elijah? John is greater. You like Elisha? John is greater. Because you know all of them were reading the Pentateuch, the Old Testament. Yeah. You like Zechariah? John is greater. You like Hosea? Name any prophet, he's greater. But that's not the message for you. He said, but they who are least in the kingdom is greater than John. The least in the kingdom is greater than John. Why is that? Because John saw he was close to the king, but he never entered the kingdom. For those who entered the kingdom of God, you're greater. Do you know who you are? You're greater than a prophet. If you really understood that you were greater than a prophet, you wouldn't be asking, where are the prophets? That means you don't know who you are or you don't understand the kingdom. A person who understands the kingdom would never seek out a prophet. You're greater than a prophet, even if you're the least. Do you know who you are? I'm talking to somebody. Do you know who you are? Are you really aware of your greatness? If you really knew your greatness, losing a job wouldn't make you dejected because you know that a king is required to take care of its citizens. And we serve a king who's the king of kings. David had a king. David knew said, the king of glory. David called him the king of glory. There's nothing that can happen to you that the king won't take care of. Do you really know who you are? God wants us to understand the kingdom and understand who we are. See, the world has a system, and we understand that system well because we live in it. But do you know why Jesus said repent? 
for the kingdom of God is near, I need you to change the way you think. And it was easier, it was easier for those who were outside to get it than for the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they had so much religious doctrine they couldn't understand what he was saying. They were like, we're going to trip this dude up because he don't, he's speaking against Moses. He's like, what? Search the scriptures. They're talking about me. Do you know who Moses was talking about? It was me. They didn't recognize him. That's not our testimony. That's not our testimony. It's the prince of the power of darkness who wants to veil us from who we are. Do you know that you're greater than a prophet? I'm not saying that Jesus said it. Do you know that? Say, I know it now. I know it now. If you, for those taking notes, you'll find that in Matthew 11, 11. And you'll find another piece that goes deeper in Luke 16. Read verse 16 first and then go backwards. You got it? So here we go. The peace of God that passes all understanding. I want you to, I want you to come forward, Tim. If you want the peace of God, which comes with the promise of God, you can feel free to come forward. Supplication, prayer and supplication. I'll stand in proxy as the supplicant. The supplicant, supplicare. As we humbly go before God. God, we pray today that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. We pray for those who are outside of the gates to see your kingdom. We pray for those who've been born again but have not entered the kingdom. To be born again is to see, but to enter is to understand. God, we pray that you would give us understanding. We want, we need. We must have your peace. In the world, we have tribulation. You promised that. But you said that you would give us your peace. And we know that you cannot lie. We know that your word is true. And so the peace of God is our inheritance. Give us our portion of our inheritance today. We're troubled on every side. God, there are those whose homes are a wreck right now. There's fighting. There's disputing. There's no peace. There are children who are wayward, who are causing pain. Some of us have anxiety. 
We have anxiety. We're doing all we can. We're seeking help. The therapists are doing the best they can. But God, we need your promise. We need the peace of God to pass my understanding because the way I understand it, I'm still not where I need to be. I'm still searching for something. I feel unfulfilled. I don't feel complete. God, I need your peace. I need your peace. Lord, I'm struggling with this and with that. There are things in my past that nobody knows but you. God, give me peace. Heal those wounds. Betrayal follows, seems to follow me. God, and we need your peace. We come to you in all humility, knowing that your promises are true. Your promises are true. You told us to let not our hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. God, even in your word, you're communicating that we have control. Because if we don't let it happen, it won't happen. God, we're tired of letting it happen. We take dominion. We are your people and the sheep of your pasture. Let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Let nothing that's ruling in our hearts continue to rule if it's not the peace of God. Peace. Your peace. Not as the world gives. Your peace. Your peace that passes all understanding. God, in accordance to your word, we come in prayer with supplication. We're making our request known unto you. You know every situation. They're talking to you in their hearts right now. Even every unspoken thing, you know it. For those who are still in their seats, but their hearts are unsettled. God, take away every barrier. Remove blockage. Remove blockage. God, I see an artery. I see in the spirit an artery that's clogged. God, we put a spiritual stint in to loosen it up and let the blood flow. Let the blood flow. The blood, the blood, the blood. Let it flow freely. No more blockage. Remove it. I'm not talking natural. I'm talking about spiritual blockage because your peace comes to guard our hearts and our minds. God, and we thank you. We're so thankful because in the garden, when you cast out the devil, you sent angels. Even when Adam and Eve were put out of the garden, you sent angels with flaming swords to guard Eden. But you love us so much, you yourself have promised to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You're greater than an angel. You created the angels. 
And so, God, we're confident that you are our shelter. You are our strong tower. And according to your promise, guard our hearts, guard our minds in Christ Jesus. And God, lead us to the rock that is higher than ourselves and remind us that we don't have to let our heart be troubled. We don't have to let our hearts be afraid. But we need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. And now, God, we give you rule. We know you reign. But, God, we ask you to rule in our hearts. The peace of God that passes understanding. We've done exactly what you said. We're doers of your word. We've not only prayed, but we've made supplication. We've done it with understanding. So now be our strong tower. Be our watchtower. that we might experience your peace. It is so. And so it is. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.